Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the PHNX Coyotes podcast. I'm Petey, as always, with Craig Morgan. Leah is still on vacation slash work exactly. trip to Toronto for the All-Star game. And here we are again for a very special edition of an audio-only podcast here at the PHNX Coyote Show. Craig, how are you doing on this bright and shiny Monday morning? Well, you know, as always, I'm mired knee-deep in arena talk and arena reporting. Same, So basically the same thing I've been doing for the past 20 years. <laughs> There's problems at the arena in Arizona? I don't know. Yeah, maybe you haven't. So, but, you well, know, I tell you what. We get to welcome in Jesse Granger. From the Athletic, who covers the Vegas Golden Knights and covers, I think, Petey, you were referring to him, and I'm probably stepping on your toes right now, but you referred to him as the goalie guru at the Athletic. So, once again, we have three goaltenders on the show, which this is, is unbelievable. Ratings should go sky high today. Yeah, love yeah. it. <laughs> Jesse, how you doing, first of all? I'm doing great. Um, I've I just saw the Golden Knights at practice yesterday, and I think that was the longest I've ever been away from the team in a regular season covering this team for seven years. So it was kind of weird. Uh, they had the the long road trip that I wasn't on to New York and Detroit. Mm. Then they had their bye week. Then they had the All Star break. So it had been I think over two weeks or something since I saw the team. So. Got to see him at practice. They had some guys back that were not healthy the last time I saw him. That's how long it's been. So, uh, yeah, it's been kind of a weird month, not seeing the team much, but now kind of getting back into the the swing of things. All right. Before we get started here, and I know this is an audio-only pod, but we caught a glimpse of a cat. So we know you're a cat person, which is, you know, raises you yet another level in our – tell us about your cat. I have two cats. Uh, The one you got to see is Heisenberg. He is a Sphinx cat. Uh, named wow. after the character on Breaking Bad that he looks just like. Um, so yeah, he he is he is terrorizing me while I try to record this podcast from behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, awesome. just be ready because I know your cats are probably going to be silent. They'll terrorize you, but my dog Wiley, Wiley Coyote, <laughs> he is around here somewhere, and I am sure he is planning on joining our audio only today. So just be don't be alarmed if you're a little barking in the background. Craig, let's get us started off. Yeah, Wiley has opinions. Jesse, I want to ask you. First off, just a general question. How do you think the Golden Knights have responded to all the pressures that come with being defending Stanley Cup champs? About as well as you could expect. Um, you look at early in the year where you kind of expect the hangover and, well, they didn't have a long off season, and they spent the short off season that they did have partying and drinking and doing all the stuff that comes with winning a championship. And they didn't have that at all, right? They won, I think, their first 11 games or something. It was the longest streak ever by a defending champ to start the season. So that they, they handled that as good as, as well as they could have. And then they got hit by the injury bug. And I compare the, the way these injuries have happened to two seasons ago, um, the only season the Golden Knights ever missed the playoffs. And that was basically due to injuries. And they've had a similar stretch of injuries this year where their number one goalie, Aiden Hill, goes down. Jack Eichel has missed considerable time. Shea Theodore, one of their top defensemen, has been out. William Carlson has been out. So their centers, which are pretty much the strength of this team, have been completely diminished. And yet, they're still in playoff position. They aren't 
atop the league like they were early in the year when they were healthy and playing at their best, but they have managed to get through it. Whereas two years ago, they didn't manage the injuries nearly as well. They fell out of the playoff position. They had to play catch up the last couple months. And this year they've played well enough to put themselves in a position coming out of the all-star break where they don't have to play catch up. They can just play, try to get to their game. You're not worried that much about the standings. You just want to get to the best version of yourself by the time the playoffs get here. So that's kind of where they're at right now. I think they're going to safely coast to the playoffs at this point. Um, but it's just a matter of can they get back to that high level of play that they were showing early in the year when they had everybody healthy? How many playoff appearances is it now? Six. Well, this would be six. So they've, they've played six seasons. This is their seventh, and they have five playoff appearances in six years and they have uh i believe four western conference final appearances <laughs> so on. very like, really? spoiled very spoiled here in Vegas. buddy that's honestly like as a coyotes if someone yeah, follows this coyote team, like buddy like really like, that's just so unfair it's just right. something's not right so we are an arizona coyotes podcast obviously so we got to ask you about aiden hill who we had here for a while he played pretty well when he was in in a coyote sweater, didn't get a lot of opportunity, really struggled when he was in San Jose. So I want to ask you why you think he has found a cupboard zone in Vegas and then maybe measure how much of that has to do with the team in front of him and the way they defend versus Hill's own evolution. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because the even the way I view that in terms of, okay, so there's 100% of the credit that you want to give to, to the team and Aiden Hill for not giving up goals a certain percentage of it goes to the goalie, a certain percentage of it goes to the defense in front of him. Even the way I view that has has changed drastically this season because I need to start giving Aiden Hill more credit. Um, I think last year he came over from San Jose and and he was so injured in San Jose and he didn't play all that well there, but he was just never healthy for a long enough stretch to find rhythm. And he comes to Vegas and I didn't think he was overly impressive last year in his first year here, but in the playoffs, he so he was he was injured right before the playoffs missed a lot of time and I remember talking to him during that time and he said that he thinks he figured some things out um, goalie coach here in Vegas Sean Burke is phenomenal you guys obviously know him from his playing days uh, he is a phenomenal goalie coach every goalie that's come through here um, under Sean Burke has played better than they were before they were under Sean Burke so that tells me he's doing something right and I think Aiden Hill became really really patient on his skates he's a big goalie not only is he 6'4", he takes up more net than most 6'4 goalies. He's just got really broad shoulders. He's got a big frame. And I think when you're that big in the lower levels, it's easier to drop to your knees way too soon because you just cover so much of the net. It's like if I just go to the butterfly, it's I'm going to save everything. The NHL, it's not quite like that. I think he needed to use a little more patience, stay on his, his edges a little longer. And I think that that injury break right before last year's playoffs, he really refined some things in his game and you do that and then your mind you're like okay maybe I figured something out and then you play behind the defense the Golden Knights have where they don't allow anything and everything is coming from the outside and it boosts your save percentage so now all of a sudden you've got a very big talented goalie who's always been athletically very talented who believes they figured something out and their numbers are through the roof and they're winning playoff games. And all of a sudden you've got the most confident goalie in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have in Aiden Hill. Now he almost won the con Smythe and deservedly. So he was, he was, he deserved to be in that conversation with Eichel and Marsha. So because he was so good in the playoffs and 
They give him the contract in the offseason, and I was skeptical. I'm like, you know what? Any goalie can get hot for a couple months. We'll see how this works out. This year, he's been even better. He's been so good. I, I, And then we got to see what the Golden Knights look like without Aiden Hill for a couple months because he had a lower body injury, which, again, that's a problem that has followed him his whole career. But then he comes back, and so you get to see what this team looks like with and without him. And I think being able to see the team without Aiden Hill really made me appreciate how good he's been in net. Yes, this team plays well in front of him and makes his life easy, but... He's his positioning is so good. His movements are so sharp. He's such a big guy. He takes up a lot of the net. He makes it look really easy. So I've gone from thinking that Aiden Hill is an okay goalie that is made to look a lot better from the team in front of him to thinking I think Aiden Hill is a legitimate top 10 goalie in the NHL right now, the way he's playing. I'm glad you brought up Sean Burke because we obviously had him here. We know the work he did with Ilya Brisgalov, with Mike Smith, and really a bunch of backups as well. He helped a lot of goaltenders become better. They called him the goalie whisperer here. PD and I actually got to attend Berkey's Day with the Cup here in the Valley, which was a blast. But I, I'm curious, first off, it, how has he readapted to that position? Because when when Sean Burke was here, he wanted a greater role. He thought he was going to have a greater role with this organization. Then he moved on to some other things. He's back. I know it's like sort of a bigger title with Vegas. How has he moved back into that role of really overseeing goaltending? I mean, to be honest, I don't, we don't get to talk to the assistants much here in Vegas, so I'll I'll put that out. Yeah, that hands off with basically, the Vegas. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, it's Fort Knox, so any conversations I have with with Berkey, it's like right, like getting into the elevator, and it's just a real quick chat. I'm not having in depth conversations with him, like with any of the assistants. Uh, Dominic Ducharme's been the assistant here for a while, and I've never spoken to him, so um, I'm not super into what's going on with Sean Burke. But I will say that I think. When, when you come into a team that, that is brand new coaching staff like Cassidy and, and the expectations are as high as they were for Vegas, I think it's easier to, to maybe like, I don't know, not lower your ambitions, but just say, you know what, I'm happy being the goalie coach and let's try to win a championship. Whereas I think before when he first got into coaching, he was he was more I, I don't he wanted to be a GM, right? That was yeah, the, the track yep. he was on. Yeah, was so so. Yeah, I think I think maybe that's something that and, and the way he's the job he's done here in Vegas, maybe that helps him get a role like that down the road. He's still a pretty young guy. So um, I, I definitely think that he's done as good of a job as he could here, not just with Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson, but they've had young goalies. Yuri Patera came in and played really well. Jonathan Quick was horrendous in Los Angeles and he gets traded here and all of a sudden he looks like the Jonathan Quick of old. So um, he, he definitely, Goalie Whisperer is a good uh, nickname for Sean Burke. He's, he's done some great work here. I'm a huge fan of Sean Burke, and I think he is does his best work with big goalies. And Aiden Hill was good here. Let's say Aiden Hill learned, cut his teeth in the National Hockey League here in Arizona, but it was all about his compete and his athleticism at that time. Now he is square. He's confident. He's up. Yep. He plays as big as he is. Love watching him play for Vegas. But I want to talk about something else in Vegas. Switch gears and talk about I I really like this Vegas Golden Vegas Golden Knights team. And I don't know if you remember, but the Coyotes beat them last time. Just saying, just saying, you're throwing it out there. But but my one of the things you notice is how well this team's playing. And you talked about the guys out of the lineup right now. Jack Eichel, who who is clearly one of the leaders on offense, and Shea Theodore, who's one of the the leaders on the defense. So. Those two guys specific, Carlson still out. When do you have timelines? You mentioned them already, but what is the timeline for these guys returning? And is it just let's wait till the playoffs and get everybody back so we fit under the cap? Well, everybody uh, around on the internet loves to point out the LTIR, but the Golden Knights 
are under the cap with everyone healthy other than Robin Leonard, other than Robin Leonard. If you count Robin Leonard, they would be over the cap, but he is, he doesn't count for, yeah, he is gone. So uh, if you, if you do not count Robin Leonard's $5 million, they are under the cap with when, when Eichel's not even on LTIR right now. So his, his cap is, is counting. Uh, Shea Theodore is on LTIR, but they do have the space to activate him if they, uh, when, when he's healthy. So I do think that they will all play in the regular season. Um, I expect William Carlson to play tomorrow against the Oilers. Um, wow. So that's that's a big boost for them, and especially Not the way he played against uh, yeah the way he played against McDavid in the playoffs. Um, I mean, by the end of that playoff series, Jay Woodcroft was telling us in post game pressers he was avoiding putting McDavid on the ice against Carlson. So um, he is a fantastic defensive player. So that's a huge huge add for them right before that big game with the Oilers trying to break the record for wins in a row. So um, that's a huge game here in Vegas. Th- those teams hate each other after that playoff series it's going to be a lot of fun um so yeah so getting carlson back will be big i think eichel's a little bit further out but like i said i do expect him to play well before the playoffs um and and same with shay theodore he's he's back skating he's not particularly close to coming back yet but i i don't think that's a a case of he's going to be out until the playoffs so this team assuming there aren't more injuries before those guys come back we're going to get to see this team um pretty pretty complete before we do get to the postseason and and speaking about that postseason, um, what do you expect them to do? What what are the needs? Um, and I'm guessing they don't involve Phil Kessel, who we need to ask you about for that brief time that he was in Vegas. Need need to get your Phil Kessel stories. But what did the Vegas Golden Knights need to add at the trade deadline to make this a more complete team going into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean they don't have a, a major glaring weakness, but I think if you're th- this team's aggressive, and I'd be very surprised if they're not going to add something. Uh, at the deadline because they basically do every year so and then once again they're in position to compete so I think probably a middle six winger is is what I would is what I would expect them to go for Sim- very similar to the Ivan Barbashev trade last year I don't think they're going to swing for the fences and try to get some superstar um, like they did when they traded for Mark Stone for example but I think uh, kind of an under the radar player that still costs you a good prospect or, or a high second first round pick the way Ivan Barbashev did from St. Louis last year um, I could see them adding a depth guy just because when they have had some injuries at forward. The scoring gets thin pretty quick. Um, this team is very deep when healthy. When when they're very when they're healthy, their tw- top twelve forwards are insane. You look at the third line; it's like the, it's a matchup nightmare. But when they have a couple injuries, that depth disappears pretty quick. And and they've got guys that can step in and be okay from the AHL, but they aren't game breakers. They aren't scorers. So. I think one more winger would would do him a world of good to play on William Carlson's wing because he's been phenomenal in that third line and he's been dragging along some guys that aren't scorers. Not bad players like Brett Howden and Michael Amadio, but they are not scorers. And I think giving William Carlson a little bit more of an offensive uh, winger to play with on that third line makes this team even more dangerous. Do any of us think Phil Kessel's getting another chance in the NHL? I'm just curious. Been a long Probably time. not. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I would think it would have happened at this point by now with all the injuries around the league. You would have thought somebody it would have happened by now if it was going to happen. Yeah, I bumped into him at the ice ten, Craig, and I tell you what, it's a guy that he says he's still skating. He says he's still in shape. He says he still wants to play. And I said, well, is it about the money? And he said, it's not. He said, I just want to play again. I want to, I want to get the opportunity to go out on my own terms. He says he still thinks he can help provide offense for somebody. He thinks he can be on a, on a second-tier power play. I agree with him. He probably can shoot to score on a second-tier power play. I just don't know if anybody's got the space for a Phil Kessel right now. So I guess we'll have to stay tuned to the trade deadline. 
All right, Jesse, I want to ask you one more sort of big picture Golden Knights question before we move on to other things. Um, the Golden Knights were obviously the first team in town in Vegas, and they really cemented their place in the community, both through immediate success and, of course, the Harvest Music Festival tragedy. But now Vegas has the Raiders. It looks like the A's are coming. Uh, and the NBA, who knows, could announce expansion to Vegas, maybe that Oakview group project along the strip when the league's current TV deal expires in 2025. Knowing that the NHL is probably fourth among the major North American pro sports in revenue and popularity, even in established NHL markets, how do you think this plays out for the Golden Knights down the road when maybe Vegas is a four-sport town? Yeah, I mean, you, there's definitely a, a smaller piece of the pie to share, obviously, at, compared to when you were the only team in town for a couple of years there. Um, but it's interesting. So far, the Raiders have not hurt the Golden Knights in terms of fan base or attention at all. Um, and I think it's because the Raiders are the exact opposite of what the Golden Knights were in terms of the Golden Knights were the first team here. They were brand new. They're named after Vegas. They're as Vegas. They're, they're, they're like hashtag is Vegas born. They are as Vegas as you can get. And they and they lean into the Vegas everything about it. Right. And the, and, and the fans like they just wanted a team for so long that it didn't matter what sport it was. They they were going to latch on. And then obviously you go on the cup around that. It's pretty easy to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. And then you've got the Raiders where I think the problem the Raiders have run into, at least early on in terms of getting like local support. Now, they're selling out every game. Uh, don't get me wrong. The Raiders are not having a hard time filling that building. They're, sell they're, they're filling the building. But I don't think there are a bunch of diehard Raider fans in Vegas. And the reason is because I think people in Vegas in general liked football more than they liked hockey before these two teams got here. So there were some hockey fans who had allegiances to a team outside of Vegas, but not that strongly. They weren't watching them every night, living and dying with that team. So that when the Golden Knights came in and they won, it was very easy to, to jump on that bandwagon. Whereas I think the football fans in Vegas, they were stronger allegiances to their football team and the persona the Raiders bring in. They aren't a new team. I think if it was a new Vegas team with a brand new name, it's a lot easier to jump on that bandwagon. But when it's the Raiders and the persona that they have, like they're, for good or for bad, their brand is incredibly strong and yeah. you either love them or you do not love them. And that's a hard thing to get people to jump on that bandwagon if they don't love the Raiders and they and they like another team. So um, I think most people are going to the games to watch their former team or, or, their, or their current favorite team play the Raiders. But I think if the Raiders win, they'll they'll gain some traction and they'll build that fan base. But for now they haven't really taken anything from the golden Knights. The one sport that I think has a chance to maybe hurt the Knights a little bit is basketball. Yeah. And that's because the seasons overlap. They're very similar schedules. They play 41 home games and <clears throat> Vegas is a basketball town. It has been since I've gotten here. They, the running rebels for the longest time were the biggest show in town. Everybody in this town loves the running rebels. Um, the NBA Summer League comes here. It does phenomenal whenever USA basketball has training camp games before the Olympics or whatever. They come here. They sell out. This town loves basketball. So I could see if it's the it's again, I think it needs to be a new team or it needs to be renamed. You can't move a team here and keep the same team name. It's not the same. You need it to be Vegas's team. So um, I do think that if there is a sport out there that could maybe take some of the attention away from Vegas, it would be the NBA. Let me ask you about the Raiders in particular. I wonder, too, and maybe this is just me spitballing. Um, the Raiders have been bouncing around quite a bit. I, is there any hesitation to 
back the Raiders when it's like, oh, well, it's like the uh, spouse that's been married five times before you marry him. Is this really going to last? I don't know. Uh, that could be. I mean, they did build them a really, really nice, expensive stadium, so they'll probably be here for a little while um, just based on that. But, yeah, I do. I, I, Like I said, I think more than anything, it's the Raiders have built a really strong brand, and the people inside the Raiders fan base love it, right? Like, they're as diehard as it gets. It's, it is a lifestyle, almost, being a Raiders fan. But then, like, I'm a Broncos fan, grew up in Colorado, so that's our rival. I despise the Raiders for me there was it's never not even a consideration to jump on the Raiders bandwagon and be a Raiders fan and I think a lot of fans out there maybe that aren't direct rivals with the Raiders still kind of have that feeling towards that team because they're the Raiders they're the bad boys they do it their own way whatever you want to whatever however you want to describe the Raider nation but um yeah I think I think those are some challenges that they faced that the Golden Knights didn't face because Vegas the Golden Knights were just a brand new team with 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 no history no brand no nothing it was just Vegas's team yeah I can't imagine a confluence a greater confluence of good events to cement that team's place in that community the way the Golden Knights did you mentioned right. the running Rebs I want to talk running Rebs hockey we've I've spoken to Anthony Greener before I know his dream is to bring Division one hockey to Vegas and they may be closer than any other program, any other major program, at least in the in the nation, to doing it. What what's the update there? What what are the hurdles? Yeah, I mean, in terms of on the ice, they're doing about as much as they can. <clears throat> they're winning games. They're they're they've been a really good team. They keep getting better and better every year. They're starting to recruit really good players for their level. Part of it is Vegas and the facility they get to practice in and play in is really nice. So that helps. Um, the biggest, I mean, the only hurdle is the money. And that is the biggest, most difficult hurdle to get over. And in terms of not only do you have to fund yourself because they're, they're having a hard time finding people that want to fund them from the university, you have to probably fund a, a women's equivalent team because of title nine. They can't just add scholarships to UNLV for, for a men's hockey team without adding uh, an equivalent number of scholarships for women playing in a sport. So from what I've heard, it sounds like the UNLV hockey team would be expected to not only fundraise for themselves, but also to, to pay for the equivalent women's team. That's a tough, that's a tough job. So um, I do think that they can get there. Eventually it takes time and you just need a couple of the right people to, to fall into place and, and help you out. But right now I think that really is what's holding them back from becoming a division one um, team. They they've got great support out here. They get a lot of people out to their, to their games. It's a fun time. I like going, um, but just not quite there in terms of the funding, which is the problem with everything in life, right? <laughs> I'm going to switch. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know anything about funding. You wouldn't know anything about funding problems. In Arizona? Right, oh, oh. We don't talk about that here in Arizona, Jesse. I'm going to switch gears and we're going to, I want you to put your goalie guru hat on because as, as Craig has mentioned, the, the three of us all uh, like to claim that we know a little bit about goaltending and we talk about it on our show a lot. And I, I've been, I've been preaching about the lack of a Canadian goaltending star for quite a while. You look at the best goalies in the league right now, they're Russian, they're American or they're European and it's not the Canadian goalies. One, I've got my own reasons why I believe that to be the case. Two, do you agree with that? And if so, why? So, yeah, this is interesting. I've done quite a bit of reporting on this subject just because last year I wrote a big story on Russian goalies um, where I went and talked to Shesterkin and Sorokin and Bobrovsky and Vasilevsky, and I kind of wrote 
basically how the Russian goalie system is working and why it's working so well. And then this year uh, with Eric Duhatchek at The Athletic, we wrote a story on kind of big picture, the position, and a lot of it led us to what is wrong with the Canadian model. And talking with all these people that know way more about this than I do, it seems the general consensus is the the system in Canada is a little too technique focused and it's a little too hands-on and it's a little too... Um, they're spoon feeding these goalies a little too much and not letting them make decisions for themselves is, is basically the, the, the short answer. And I think that the result is you get very technically focused robotic goalies and technique is great, right? Like technique makes saves and it's not a bad thing, but when you become overly technical and you're thinking rather than reacting to the play and you're, you're just trying to get into the right positions, um, sometimes you don't make some saves that you would have if you just let your athleticism take over. So I think when you, and, and when you watch the goalies, it bears out, right? Like you look at Vasilevsky and Shesterkin and Sorokin, I wouldn't say any of those guys are technically superior to the rest of the goalies in the league. It's their athleticism and their instincts are phenomenal and they're, they're explosive athletes. Um, so I think that in Canada, they they build a lot of uh, they, a lot, people. Some people like to call them goalie coach goalies where a goalie coach watches the way they move and they say, that's perfect. That's exactly how a goalie should move. Um, and then the puck ends up in the net. So um, I think it's also a cycle, like talking to Vasilevsky, he said like, yeah, Russian goalies are on top right now, but I wouldn't uh, make too big of a deal out of it or rub it in because this is a cycle and eventually someone else is going to be on top and that's just how it works. And he's probably right. So um, I'm sure there's a big, uh, a wave of Canadian goalies coming eventually, but I do think that there are some flaws in the way that they're, that they're approaching the position, maybe just from a, just details perspective. You got another follow on that, Petey? I know you have thoughts on this. You're holding your tongue. <laughs> I think you're muted. I'm not buddy. holding my tongue. I'm not holding my tongue. I'm muted because my as 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 promised, my dog has is now woken up from his nap and is becoming <laughs> a little more active. So and that I did not realize I was muted. It drives me insane. And I, I, I tell you what, Jesse, I know this is way off from NHL goalies, but I went to the Arizona State High School Hockey Championship yesterday. And I'm watching these kids, and they're on their knees anytime the puck goes below the goal line, regardless of what the play out front is, regardless of where the puck is. And it drives me absolutely insane the amount of robotic goaltenders that this that this Canadian RVH style has produced. And I think, oh, I do believe, and I rant about it online all the time, and, and goalie coaches get mad at me, when a six foot five goalie gives up a, a shot over his shoulder from the boards on the goal line, that's a bad goal. I don't care stand up and like Jerry Cheevers was five foot 10 and that would hit him right in the, in the, in the B wheel, like stand up. So the RVH, there's a time and a place. If there's a play out front or if it's a wraparound or you got to play in tight, go down. But I'm so sick and tired of seeing the robotic goaltenders. And that's where you talk about Aiden Hill uses his size to his advantage. If he needs to go down, he goes down. But if he needs to stand up, he stands up. And I, and I just, it's, it's common sense. It's angles that you cover more than that when you're standing up. It's just look at it. So anyway, I, I could go on in the RBH all day and I will probably continue to do so. But please, Canadian goal coaches that are listening, please, please, please work on their skating. Look, work on their movement and stop having a goalie go down on every single shot. Okay. There's my soapbox, Craig. <laughs> I got to ask Jesse now. Reverse VH, good. Evil or so, between? <laughs> I'm kind of in between. I, I think that there are some some problems with it. And the, the problem is the overuse of it. And I, I'll argue that the RVH is so is such a good position and such an effective 
save style that it's being it's become overused because it feels so safe. And I think that's the problem with it. So when you're standing up the old school way with your pads, your knees squeezed in tight and you're covering the, the bad angle, that's a horribly unathletic position that puts you in a like when when the puck hits you. Who the hell knows where it's going and you're not in position to make a rebound save. It's just I think that position is horrendous and I think the RVH is so much better than it. But so the RVH, you seal the ice, you seal the post. There's not a lot of spots for the puck to go in as long as the puck is close to you because the angle, it can't get over your shoulder once as as Petey said, once it gets further out. Now there is an angle to be beat. And I think what's happened is these goalies have grown up using this RVH and they've played against players that can't pick those corners. So the RVH to them almost feels unstoppable. This It's so effective that it just feels like, okay, well, the puck's over there. As long as I go down in this, I don't even have to make a save. This The puck can't go in now. And then suddenly it's in the top of your net. So I think that the RVH is actually too effective and it's got guys using it when they shouldn't be, when the puck is outside. It's, I've even seen, um, I was breaking down some Ilya Samsonov film earlier in the season um, for a piece I wrote about him. And he was, he gave up a goal from like the faceoff dot um, in the RVH. And it's like, what are you, how could an NHL goalie still be in the RVH when the puck is there? That is the problem with RVH is when it's used in positions it shouldn't be used in. And I think that these goalies that grew up, this is the first generation of goalies because the RVH isn't brand new, but it hasn't been this utilized for very long. So I think this, this wave of goalies that grew up using that position it's too much of a crutch and it's just so it was so effective for them growing up that they just think that once I'm in that position, the puck can't go in from the side of the net. And it can if you're if you're not paying attention. So um, that those are my thoughts. I love the position. I think when used effectively, it is the best technique to save pucks on the side of the net when the puck is close. But you can't use it once the puck leaves uh, what goalie coaches like to call the golden triangle, which is kind of mm-hmm. a line between the goal line and and out to the bottom of the face off circle. Once it leaves that area. Get up on your skates. Love it. I love that breakdown. I got two more questions for you. First, I want to know if you're a goalie gear guy. Um, oh yeah, we, we all grew up. I mean, we, we didn't have we didn't have the benefit of our PD and I didn't at least we're we're not young. In case you hadn't noticed, Jesse, we didn't have the benefit of the type of artwork that you see on goalie masks today, goalie pads today. Are you are you a fan? And what are your favorite maybe innovations or players out there? Yeah, I am a goalie gear nerd. Uh, I've gotten to write a few cool uh, equipment stories and also do a little plug. Uh, my uh, goalie mask power rankings will be coming out in the next week or so on The Athletic. Nice. I did it. I, yeah, I debuted it last year and it was real popular. People loved it. So now I'll be ranking the top 32 masks uh, in the NHL again. And that comes out in about a week. I've been working on that for a while. So excited about that. I love the masks. I love the paint jobs. Um, the one that stands out to me is Elvis Merzlikens, the one he just got painted in Columbus with like the Mexican day of the dead, like skulls. And there's like a rib cage on the front. Oh man. It's that is an absolute work of art. It belongs in a museum. I can't believe they're going to let pucks get shot at it. Um, some of these paint jobs nowadays are insane. And, and like you said, the custom pads, I, everything the golden Knights goalies get out here looks good. The gold looks good on pads. I, th- I feel like the color scheme just works. Um, it's been, it's cool. And then I love like the, the other thing I love is I love every time uh, the, the outdoor games, the goalies go all out with the old school looks with the Brown trying to make it look like leather. They've got the, the holes kind of 
just just a design, not actual holes, but in the blocker. Love it. Love it. I love any any special goalie gear we can get for a single game. Um, the all-star stuff was weak, but that's not their fault. The the jerseys were so bad there was nothing to work with. Um, so I don't blame the pad companies on that. But uh yeah, any 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 special goalie gear, I'm always pumped for it. Yeah, the all-star jerseys were like Crayola crayons. That was just bad stuff. Um, we were giving Corel Vamelka hell here when he got his pads for the new Desert Knight uniforms that the Coyotes unveiled last season. He had cacti on the pads, but he had it in reverse. If they had put them the opposite way, it would have formed one cactus, but he had them the opposite way, and we were losing our minds over that. Um, but yeah, Petey, you're quiet here. Go ahead. No, I, I'm just jealous. I, I, I My last competitive year in, in net was in 1990. And I finished my career with with the waffle blocker. I had black leather pads, and unfortunately, I had to wear a helmet with a cage. So all of it sucks. I wanted the cool mask. I wanted I wanted the cool pads. It just came in a year too late. So I, yeah. I'm jealous. One of the many things that sucks about getting old. All right, the last thing I want to ask you, Jesse, and I, and I know this is putting you on the spot here. If you had to pick your top five goalies in the game right now, who do you have on that list? Ooh, top five. So. Um, Connor Hellebuck is an easy one just cause he's one of the best in the world and he's having a great season right now. So he's an automatic for me. Um, Andre Vasilevsky is still my number one. If I, if I, it was game seven and my team has to win a game right now, I'm, I'm taking Andre Vasilevsky. I think he is as athletic as they come and you're not supposed to be able to move like that when you're that size, like something broke when they built Andre Vasilevsky you're not supposed to be able to move like that and it's not fair um, and I feel bad for shooters that have to score on that guy he's to me the best goalie I've ever seen so um, Vasilevsky Hellebuck I'm gonna go Thatcher Demko right now just because um, like especially I feel like goalie nerds appreciate Demko more than most because his technique is just so sharp he's not the most athletic goalie he's he's kind of just like a big lanky guy but man is he in the right position all the time and when he's on it looks like it's impossible to score on him because he's just always in the right spot so that's been the case this year um and then I'll go Igor Shosturkin is having a horrible season. Um, I, as someone who drafted him way too early in fantasy in the first round of my fantasy draft, I can tell you it has not been a fun ride uh, with Igor Shosturkin. But I always tell people goalie stats are more indi- indicative of the play in front of them than they are the goalie themselves. So I'm going to give Igor a break, and I'm going to still keep him in my top five. Um, even though he is not, he has not been a top five goalie this year. Um, I still believe if we're talking big picture, we're drafting goalies for the future or whatever. I still love Igor Shesterkin. Um, and then I'm going to go with uh, his, his Russian buddy, Ilya. I mean, uh, uh, why am I blanking his name? Sorokin. Okay. Ilya Sorokin on Long Island is another great goalie who's not having a huge season, but it's tough, man. Like picking five, like there are guys that I, that I want to include in that. Um, that I can't Aiden Hill is right there. I, I talked him up earlier. I think Aiden Hill is, is knocking on the door. Um, there are so many good goalies in this league. Jake Ottinger, phenomenal goalie who just keeps getting better and better and better. I think he's right there on, on the top five. What do you um, think? Of Connor Ingram? I think Connor Ingram's having a great season. It's it were Kirill Vimelka was having a great season last year and then he just fell off the planet this year and now it's Connor Ingram. So I'm just, I'm hoping he's not, doing exactly what Vimelka did last year. But um, I love Ingram's story. It's hard not to root for that guy. Um, and and he's been phenomenal this year. Um, but 
I think just I need a little more sample size to to consider him in that in that top range. But he's been been phenomenal this year, and probably the biggest reason the Coyotes are in the playoff chase. You guys know more than I do, but I every time I turn on a Coyotes game or or when I watch them play Vegas, uh, Ingram's been huge. Well, a, a huge shout out to Jesse Granger, the Vegas Golden Knight writer for the Athletic, and also North Americans. Hockey goalie guru for all of his insights on goaltending. Um, make sure you check out this podcast before the Golden Knights face off against the Arizona Coyotes this Thursday, February 8th in a huge Western Conference tilt. Make sure you follow this podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And then tune into the PHNX YouTube channel and don't miss any of the postgame shows. For Craig S. Morgan, I'm Petey. Big thanks to Jesse Granger. We'll see him at the rink and we'll see everybody else tomorrow.